In today's world, perfection and youth is often admired and older adults with different abilities are marginalized and seen as less valuable members of our community. Some in our community work to change all that, and our guest today is just such a person. Today's community portrait is of a longtime friend of Wingate, delightfully dapper dresser, and chief ambassador of generosity at a special place called Lifespan, whose tagline is Abilities Illuminated. Difference certainly does not mean deficit, another gem of wisdom on Lifespan's website. Who is this friend, preacher, and justice crusader? Well, let's not keep our listeners in suspense any longer. Dr. Harry Workman! <laughs> we will be chatting with Harry today about his life at Wingate, the coolest professional title ever, his heart work at Lifespan, and the fabulous collaboration between Lifespan and Wingate CCG. Hello, I'm Lacey Ritter, recruitment and coordinator of Project Development Assistant Professor in the Sociology Department. And I'm Kathy Wright, Professor in the Religion Department and the Executive Director of CCG. And this is Against the Grain. So today's podcast is Community Partner Portraits. This is an outward-facing episode that gives us glimpses into the lives of our community partners. See what amazing work they do every day and the ways we at the CCG can help. As we mentioned, our guest speaker today is Harry Workman. Harry is a Baptist pastor, longtime friend of Wingate, and ambassador of generosity at Lifespan. But before we get to that, let's start with some fun facts to help our listeners get to know you better. So here's your question. If you could bottle up your personality into any piece of clothing, what would it be and what would it look like? You got to tell us details like color and material. Let your imagination go wild. Uh, first of all, thank you for the incredible welcome and introduction. <laughs> and when you, Lacey, were introducing, I thought, who is this mystery person who's going to be walking in the door? <laughs> We have to give you a good drum roll. You know I'm going to find some music for that. You know? Absolutely. It'll be great. <laughs> so your personality bottled up into a piece of clothing. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say a big bow tie. Yes. Oh, I was waiting for it. I <laughs> if you don't know Harry, then you don't know about his bow ties. Oh, the bow tie has become a, a signature uh, commodity and, and style point, I guess since I was working with people with differing abilities, I had to go from the long cravat to the short tie because of safety issues. Mm -hmm. And my wife said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen you wear. <laughs> but it grew on her, it grew on me, and over time it has become that pop of color or, um, and now if it were bottling up my personality and all the power of the universe were in one bow tie. Mm -hmm. I would say it would be big and colorful, and it would have a combination of cotton and velvet and burlap. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cotton, velvet, and burlap. Why burlap? I can see velvet because you just can't. You can not take the boy out you. of the country. <laughs> but the hayseed out of his bow tie. Mm -mm. Oh. <laughs> Very nice. It sounds like the best bow tie in the world. Yep. And potential Christmas gift. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to find one. You know we're going to find Throw one. Throw a feather in it and then it's complete. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
All right, you get the next question, Lacey. Yes, so this is one we've been asking everyone uh, given our lovely COVID time. So if you were quarantined for at least two weeks with three different celebrities and or famous people, dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Mm. Dead or alive, huh? Yep. I'd want to sit, sit first of all with Jesus mm-hmm. and just chill. And because I've been spending my whole life telling people about him and it sure would be nice to have a corrective voice about the things that <laughs> I really took off rails. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure he would be generous and gentle, but still, I'd, I'd love to have that that FaceTime. Uh, another one that I've always just admired is Gandhi. I would love to to sit with a man whose gentleness and humility and homespun clothing and simplicity of life also brought about uh a disruptive force in world powers through peaceful. And then I'd like to kind of sit with my dad again. It's mm. a good conversations. Ah. Yeah. yeah. I miss those conversations that wove politics and life together. So, yeah. Wow. Sounds like you would have an amazing quarantine oh. time. So we would. And you have some sweet tea beside you, and you sit back. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Now, there are just so many more that come to mind, but when you do top of head, top of mind, yep. that's what you get. Oh. Um, I think that was a pretty legit top of head answer. <laughs> Way it's better true. than I would do. Oh, yes. So we're in our community partner portraits. Going to get to know you a little bit better. So you achieved a doctorate in ministry. So I get, so Lacey's been so kind. I'm in the religion department. I am, the other day you were telling me about your doctorate in ministry and I was just so taken with it. I think our (laughs) listeners need to know a little bit about it. So tell us a little bit about it. Also maybe where you studied um, and how you decided to go on your kind of academic path. And then we're going to do personal and professional. All right. You opened the door. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I grew up in a mill village in a little town of McCormick. And that uh, calling was something from which I ran for a long time. And I went to Clemson University and, and I majored in psychology. Oh, nice. I, I had a minor in sociology, philosophy, religion. I knew there was a reason uh, we loved you. <laughs> it's the, the religion thing. part, right? It's the, the religion. Well, I was going to oh, go wait, with the bow tie, but <laughs> I mean, you literally have all of the coordinators, majors, and minors. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. Yes. <laughs> I try to be holistic in approach. But the, in that, uh, when I was at Clemson majoring in psychology, they said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to help cows discover their inner self and to give more milk. How did your director take that? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I would was, still be laughing. He was, he was a, a, a Jesuit priest who had left the priesthood and had come and he was the head of the psychology department, Bernard Caffrey, and he and I became friends. And he was the one who began to tell me that there was a, an academic path as well as a spiritual path and learned a lot about learning from a Jesuit priest turned academic. Mm-hmm. And that led to going to Emory, where I did my MDiv, and saw that I was just going to be a, a pastoral counselor in an urban setting and doing urban 
kinds of things, and I was part of a urban clinical that did a lot of inner city things through Emory. But they, the call shifted, and I went to a small town to become a pastor. At the height of the loss of textile jobs in the United States. So, if you want to know something about me, what I really am is the pastor of disaster. <laughs> pastor of disaster. That's an even cooler title than the one oh, we, you we could have. not find that anywhere online. <laughs> right. It's uh, everywhere I move, something closed. <laughs> whether whether it was uh, oh the, no the mill. Yes, you have invited <laughs> the wind. You will in, you will reap. The whirlwind. That's true. What is it? I am the storm. So. I am the storm. Hurricane Harry. I, oh. Ooh. Ooh. It's nice. Yeah, people say I'm a blowhard, but never mind. <laughs> so, in the closing of the mills and displaced textile workers, I began to find this art of neighboring that the church was involved in, doing practical extension things like collaborative. Mm-hmm. Teaching people to read, people how to uh, have employability skills, networking, that kind of thing. And that began a curiosity uh, nugget about the art of neighboring and how does the, the, the issue of covenant relate to community. And lo and behold, because I was a Methodist pastor, I got moved. And guess what? I got moved to a farming community in the crop belt of South Carolina. When? At the height of the farm crisis in the middle of the Well, of course. And people were losing their jobs and their homes and their land that had been granted to them from King George. And that became the the impetus for my dissertation and doctoral work. Um, And it's um, the covenant community and the midst of the farm crisis, the church, and the art of neighboring. And I love the idea of the art of neighboring, because mm-hmm. people just figure you just are a good neighbor, but there's an art to being a good neighbor. Well, it is, and you are, as I have been sitting in the collaborative meetings, and it has stirred my imagination, and I have seen uh, the winsomeness of the way you're presenting the information, it is an art. It is not just beating people with facts and figures and guilt and shame, but inviting people into a mystery and into a partnership. And I and I, I love what you're doing. So, oh, well, anyway. we're going to get to that too. So, yeah. do you want to ask another question? That was that was wonderful. Yeah. But that led to doctoral work and then teaching at uh, Columbia College. Some mm-hmm. Furman taught there. And then you came here. I came here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your history with Wingate before <laughs> we get to lifespan. So I actually was working uh, as the head of external external relations with a law school Okay. Uh, when I first moved to Charlotte. And it was a mission-minded, mission-focused law school that was formed to help people who were disenfranchised typically from legal education or from receiving justice, this was going to change everything. Well, it didn't go very far. It lasted a while. But during that time, I met uh, Jeremy Gee, and when the law school was going under, and we were being um, we were being asked to maybe consider finding happiness elsewhere. <laughs> See, it's all in how you put it. Yeah, you it's know? a very optimistic approach. Yes, yes. yes. And... and um, a friend of mine, very close friend, who with whom I'd worked at 
Presbyterian College was working here and uh, I just adore her. She's smart and she's funny, but she's brilliant. And she was working here and she said, hey, would you talk with maybe, and lo and behold, I was called to join the team in philanthropy here. And as you know at Wingate, we must wear multiple hats. Yes. <laughs> Not only be the officer of the office of silly walks, but the many hats. <laughs> many hats and silly walks. <laughs> so, but it was a it was a wonderful time because Rep um, accepted the call and challenge to become the president. There were formative meetings about uh, vision casting and the possibilities of mm -hmm. what if and. The, the new team started to coalesce and the new visions for what we can be and um, and also doing data-driven stuff. So I was very, very fortunate to be on a team here that was focused on generosity uh, and just marvelous, marvelous. But Lacey, I'm old. <laughs> you are not, not old at all. Three days older than dirt. <laughs> I'm two days older than dirt. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, serendipitously, a very close friend of mine, who is now a trustee of Wingate University. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, and he's an entrepreneur and just a lovely, lovely man. Lives, lived until recently down the street and his family. We became very close friends. And they have a daughter named Julia who is living, living with differing abilities and life challenges and Bob knew that there was a season after church ministry where I'd started a foundation in Greenville, South Carolina, to support the lives of, of people who had lifelong challenges. And he recognized how I loved Julia and how we did everything with Julia. And having done that, Bob asked, after I got him involved here, mm -hmm. yep. on board here, <laughs> and Rhett loves him and he loves Rhett, he asked me one day as we were sharing a, an adult beverage. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> after hey, silly walking. After silly yes. walking, he said, Hey, Harry, would you ever consider starting over? And I went, <laughs> No, I'm really good. We just good. We really love the people at Wingate. No problems. We love it. Leadership trajectory, all this. No. And that conversation continued over months. And he kept hitting the ministry buttons and the, hey, you're old. No, he never said that, but, <laughs> but you have an aggregate of experience and skill sets and knowledge base. And hearts. Would you consider joining Lifespan and helping it to get more sophisticated and coming to the 21st century with generosity? And I went, okay. <laughs> And that was almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. But I still wear the brand, be the brand of Wingate. Absolutely. And friendships matter, relationships matter. And relationships that matter never go away. Never go away. That's the art of neighboring. Because <laughs> you can't unneighbor. It's really, I mean, in those, that's the relational model versus contractual. Like, yes. you know, and, and, uh, and, and so tell us a little bit about Lifespan, because I don't think a lot of our listeners know about Lifespan. Um, I think they've gotten a hint as to kind of the heart of Lifespan. But okay. tell us, what is the mission, per, what is the heartbeat of Lifespan? For 45 years, 
we have been enriching, educating, employing individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. It was started in the basement of a church, uh, St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Charlotte, by a man who had a passion for children that were being excluded from public school. And from that humble beginning of six people, we now are in 22 counties, over 20 spaces and places, and support over 2,000 individuals across that span. And we call ourselves Lifespan because it's from six weeks till death. It's a continuum of care and a journeying with people across their lifespan. And we intervene in uh, ways that are person-centered. We are very, very um, devoted to person-centered outcomes, making sure that people are living as independently and, and purposefully as possible, as, as humanly possible. So tell us one of your best memories in the last two years. So you've been there about two years. Mm. So one, one, one or two. One, one that just leaps to mind is uh, in the childcare arena. We are, um, we've been tagged, particularly during COVID, as providing, as a childcare provider for essential workers. So we've been able to continue. But before COVID, we had started leaning into a new field that has been studied quite a bit and about which a lot has been written and a lot of research has been done called trauma-infused or trauma-informed education, which is an early intervention based on brain science for kids who've grown up in, I'll just call it hard places. Uh, the industry, uh, the academic world calls it the adverse childhood experience scale. So if a child has scored over four on ACEs, they typically are, um, they're having a lot of behaviors in public school and uh, they're, they're, they're in secluded places or singled out. And what we've done is made a, a concerted effort to lean in and say, we're going we're gonna to intervene. And we have opened the very first, we call it the calm or healing classroom that applies all of the science and now with the outcomes. And to see someone, a, a kid who had literally grown up with his sister in the woods and abandoned, and the behaviors and, and not being able to talk and, and just all of that, who had been permanently expelled at the age of four from public education because he broke his, his uh, kindergarten or his preschool director's sternum with a chair. Wow. To see that child sitting with a group of children and expressing his feelings, playing appropriately with age-appropriate creativity, playing outside and, and the, the, we have a natural environment playgrounds, to see that kind of transformation is amazing. And then the other, on the other end of the spectrum, we have art as not only therapy, but also business. Mm -hmm. We have artists who express themselves in creative ways. We have kilns and paint, and we have uh, pottery, and we have woodwork, and all these kinds of things. And there's a gentleman up in Waynesville who can recite every every word of every song that you've ever that's just his thing oh cool and to see him being able to express and live a, an abundantly joyful life when he was 
made fun of and silenced for so many years and called crazy and called stupid or whatever it was, to see him just singing and then painting. There's joy. There's joy in the midst of that. And not just, I, I see so much on a daily basis, the unlocking of potential. And that, that's why I do what I do. I like how you just end it with that. Like you've told us these amazing stories and you're like, yeah, that's just why. That's why you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> not me. Yes. I love how well, you tell a story. Oh, it's fantastic. Like yeah. I'm just over here and th- I, I, got, I had goosebumps when you were telling those stories. No, that's because you're wearing a diamond now. <laughs> yes. Oh, busted. I don't know that, but. <laughs> Pod busted. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about programs first, like some of the goals of some of the programs you've talked a little bit, or do you want to talk to us about how you got involved in this whole CCG thing? I'll I'll put the the emphasis on the other syllable for this moment. Oh, excellent! And and that will be the programs. We'll get that because I want to make the bridge into this new collaborative. I know. Yes, that's that gives me wonderful chills. It's a wonderful day. (laughs) It's a very neighborly day. It's cooking with Julia. Anyway, um, your accents are fantastic. No telling what we're cooking up today. You never know in the CCG. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's right. And that's the magic of it. See? Mm-hmm. I see how you did that, too. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us more. A so CCG. We, we, we will. I'll take that bait. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful segue. Wonderful. The, the brainchild that you all have come, which you've come up, it, 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 it is amazing. It is something that when I was serving here at Wingate, uh, we we identified in Hendersonville one of the first visioning sessions where it was so collaborative and so uh, inclusive and, and it was so representative. One of the things that, or several of the things kept bubbling up is how do we do this town gown? How do we do this in a, in a community where there's been this separation of town and, and, and community? And then you throw in church. You know, it's kind of like this triad. There's this building with people that worship in it in the middle of the campus. Yeah, campus. Yeah. I was gonna say something else, but anyway, in the middle of this <laughs> of this place, which is in the middle of the town, which is in the middle. So it's it's concentric circles. Oh. It's, it's a labyrinth of learning. <laughs> Look at us. Ooh. We're so fancy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But in that, in that, I loved, uh, and I, I'm going to credit Dr. Brown with this. He, there was a, a phrase thrown out that we want Wingate, Wingate outside of Union. We want Wingate to be a laboratory of difference making, and that struck the poet in me. That struck my, my, my imagination, and I have since I am a syncratic thinker, not a seminal thinker. I have borrowed that phrase for a lifespan, whether or like our classrooms. We want to be a laboratory of difference making. Because it wasn't trademarked. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, copyright, copyright. 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 <laughs> but the idea was striking and profound. But then, you know, 
form follows function in some ways, and we we're kind of like, okay, what? How do we get to that? And do we need a mission statement first? And then we we went through the whole process, but that that piece was a subtext for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that, that got Bob Spence involved was the entrepreneurial and some of that sustainability things. That's one of the things that got uh, one of the largest donors that I was working with because he was working. He was wanting to not just do a science building or something. He, how does this play out in the practical world of Union County and Anson County? Yep. And so when I first came to your meeting. I came out of friendship. Was that the root summit? Yes. Oh, the root summit. Because <laughs> it was the root of it all. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. And boy, have we grown some really good. Well, roots. yes, and and that was a and and we were encouraged to write a letter to ourselves, mm-hmm. and we were yeah you know, we were encouraged to look at how these collaboratives could fit, and and the the academic in me was hopeful, the pragmatist was like. This is too much. How in the world is this going to actually get rooted and get off the ground? Because I know how the sausage is made often in <laughs> in academia, and the hierarchy and and all of this. And I don't really like to see how the sausage is made, but this sausage ain't going to get made. <clears throat> but get the right cooks. Get the right cooks. Came an edict. <laughs> and we have sausage. And we have sausage. And, but I think there was the, the neighboring. The, mm-hmm. And I'll just say this because Lacey talked that um, the art of the art of neighboring that you all have exhibited with your colleagues has been disarming. Uh, and, and I would I would. Um, I'm going to put it in this historical context, even though you're just going to put it this way. In the late 70s, Anwar Sadat visited Israel. And and, and in that epic meeting, Carter and all at Camp David, Sadat was seeking a peace that heretofore had not been, but he was willing to cross the boundary. And he was willing to offer something others had not, and that was private table fellowship. Which is Middle Eastern. Yep. Now you wouldn't see that in public. They didn't do that. But in private, you were willing to do that. And I, I think that in order, you know, put it in the past, for this to have taken roots required you to have been humble and generous and have taken the first steps with humility and help gifted others, help them to succeed, help your colleagues look good and even fund some of the things that they have passions about that has been now cast back on you as respect. And that Latin is so good, respect means to see again. So they've looked at you again and they see something different than a competitor, a boss, a department head. My guess is the success is because they've seen you as a neighbor. 
And that's, we love using the idea of table fellowship and neighbor mm-hmm. being, you know, who's my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a huge motivator. And that reciprocity, I love how you speak about reciprocity, that, that my well-being is when your well-being is taken mm-hmm. care of and your well-being helps my well-being. And, and, uh, and that table fellowship, that's where it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I find a lot of times that's our best work, Lacey, would you say? Best Absolutely. work is done lunch, coffee. Mm-hmm. Root summits. Works with generosity, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's true. Because at the heart of it, it's all about relationships matter. Yeah. No, and, and I, I tell the kids in my, my ethics class, kids, my students in <laughs> I know, my ethics class. I know, I do that class, all the time, too. <laughs> I know. Um, is There is a big difference between a contract where there's an exchange of goods and a relationship. Mm-hmm. It changes. Things change going from stranger to neighbor mm-hmm. changes fundamentally how you see the world um, and how you see the interactions. And so I think that's and I mean, kudos to Dr. Brown's let us be that way because mm-hmm. academia yes. can sometimes beat that out of you. No. <laughs> just no. just a little bit. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about programs and some of our, and I'm going to ask both Lacey and, and cause I know you are super excited about yes. some of the potential partnerships. Now COVID has yes. thrown a wrench in it. Um, and then, so it kind really of our program, it does. <laughs> it's a way of being innovative and entrepreneurial. Yes. So we first came to talk to you a little bit about how do we have a multi kind of generational living community on mm-hmm. our campus where yeah. we have students and community members learning from each other and with each other, mm-hmm. um, offering services and art and daycare and, you know, that, how do we build that? So we approached Lacey mm-hmm. and said, Lacey, are you interested in anything to do with that? And of course the answer was... Uh, yes, um, <laughs> but probably something more formal than that. Maybe, maybe not. No, that's usually my, oh, uh, yeah. yes, that sounds yes. awesome. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that, and then we've kind of talked about how we could do service learning together. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about programs and how this partnership with Wingate University could be a really good thing. The, the exciting thing about our conversation with Lacey, and uh, we'll give a shout out to Java. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Java, the, Java cup. the cup. Java the cup. Thank the best you for conversations your, happen over yeah, coffee. Yeah, so give a shout out. You make sure that you go by there and do business with them. It, it's a, it's we got to nice take place. care of our neighbors. Yes, 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 and yes. But when I when I was talking, when we were talking together, Lacey, mm-hmm. we have been dealing with, uh, this is for you, the listening folks, we, we have a looming social issue because we have done very well uh, with expanding the life expectancy of people with with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just give you a snapshot for you, our listening folks, that in 1967, if you were if you are a child or a dependent who was living with Down syndrome, your life expectancy was in like 38, 41, and now it's 64. And but the shadow side of that is that. Now your loved one is 64 years old, and we know more about people who are living with Down syndrome, that they have an early onset of a lot of age-related issues in their 40s mm-hmm. that we didn't know about because no one lived past that. So 
they're also outliving their caregivers and their guardians and there are financial issues by, because of the way that public benefit is set up through Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security that the individual cannot have in his or her name more than $1,500 a month um, or they lose their public benefit and some very well-meaning generous parents have set up houses that their kids can live in or life insurance or those kind of things only to realize that that money runs out and now their kid has to go or their dependent has to go back through authorization mm -hmm. so we were talking about Lacey and all of us were talking about how can we help people have this sociological community in which they could age in place yep. with their ecosystem of support um, the caregivers the family the friends the health care uh, provision and and it be affordable housing for seniors mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we've looked at different models from Sweden to Nashville I know that's pretty straight <laughs> but that conversation and I'll hand it back over to you has that there's there's a collaborative effort how do we do a beta test how do we do and we've got I've been in conversation with people from cap grow and other folks who are entrepreneurial investors in something that has deep social utility yeah and there's this and that sounds explain to our maybe Lacey you can do this how would that benefit a campus to be part of this how could that be a laboratory of difference maybe <laughs> sure um so one of the really great things that we've seen in doing the research on a lot of these models is that they are occurring on college campuses, uh, particularly for the grad student level. So what we see for students, particularly those coming in as first generation college students or low income, one of the ways that they can either offset tuition or even work towards internships, credit hours, is by living in these same communities as the population that we're bringing in, whether that's seniors, developmental um, areas, and so it forms this partnership where these students are getting these wonderful dual experiences in college. So you're getting the class material, but you're also getting life material. And so it creates these relationships in which both parties are receiving kind of the best of both worlds, right? So individuals who need a little bit of help, maybe organizing medications or cooking dinner are getting that while our students are getting more responsibility, they're getting kind of these really great life lessons. They're getting stories of mm. like the coolest experiences. Um, and that also, especially for students who are going into counseling or therapy, they're getting hands-on training while they're at the university in ways that is really honestly beneficial to both them and the people they'll help in the future. So so our health schools, our, oh, all our health schools OT, will be involved. PT, pharmacy, yep. all Public health is coming in, uh, social and psych, social mm -hmm. work. Yeah. It would Religion be. and ministry. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, awesome. yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, it's so. so neat. And then, so we're, we're talking about this kind of partnership. So if there are any listeners out there that want to be involved in this adventure, please reach out to us. Uh, but with COVID, what's our trajectory? You know, so one of the questions we wanted to ask you is for next year, like, so this is a project we're going to be working on and we're mm -hmm. so excited. The more interaction with Harry Workman, the better it is. Always. Um, always. <laughs> uh, however, for next year with COVID and that, how, how are we partnering? I know I'm partnering with you, but mm -hmm. what are some of your goals for next year? So we are, let me just kind of give a broad brushstroke. 
uh, with the lifespan, we have the circle schools that start six weeks to four and a half or five until the public school takes over. And post high school, we have employment, we have uh, group homes, we have day programs which do person-centered. And we've had uh, a number of Wingate students come and partner with our Monroe day program mm -hmm. and come alongside. The, the impact of COVID at this particular moment is that we have had our day programs shuttered since May 17th, March 17th, excuse me, with no clear idea of when that opens. Mm -hmm. In the interim though, I would love to have students with whom I could work uh, who are interested in um, having some mentor relationship, who would love to in engage in what does it, we were having a conversation prior to the podcast going on live, uh, how do we uh, position ourselves in the community and tell our story better? Mm -hmm. um, we have been so subject and, and, and dominated by the tyranny of the immediate for 45 years of wiping noses and changing diapers and taking care of people that that truly as an organization it has not been able to lift its, up its head to survey the terrain of emerging trends except for where we saw the trauma. Mm -hmm. But that's been part of my role and some others to say where is this sector going? The emerging housing issue. What, how do we tell our story differently and it, and it is different from traditional marketing positioning of product place and, uh, and price. This is really about communication. This is really about culture. Uh, it's about ethos and how we do business mm -hmm. and how we include people with differing abilities into the, the, very, just the very fabric of our everyday world where we work, live, and play. And, and that's where I would like to invite, at this moment, a cadre of folks who would want to journey and learn more and think differently and help us to think differently and apply that in service learning, uh, apply that in imagination, imagineering. Uh, for Ooh, us. Imagineering. Disney so. will be coming for us. Yes. <laughs> But that's how we're, trademark. yeah, trademark. Uh, that's how we got in a conversation. And so, mm -hmm. in our global perspective and ethics honors course, I'm developing a service learning um, section. So, any of my service learning, I mean, my ethics students that mm -hmm. are listening, um, surprise. Um, <laughs> but one of the things you're is the you, you're going to have a team. Yes. Well, somebody has to be first. Um, a team so we'll have different uh, CCG partners they'll be working with our our senior kind of GPS mm -hmm. global perspective in ethics that ethos mm -hmm. and a lot of the course content is about understanding patterns of thinking and value systems and beliefs and how we mm -hmm. live those out in our everyday fabric of our world and so them walking alongside you and then perhaps identifying a gap which you've identified um, and kind of working because the imagination of the students in the class yes so that and, yes and so implementation mm -hmm. depending on if it's people centered or not uh, we're hoping to do for a part of their final exam so if you're if any of our listeners are out there are designing their course for for September, for August, mm -hmm. um, and would like, and this might fit, um, then reach out to the Collaborative for the Common Good because we yeah. like to develop these service learning courses. And we happen to have a fabulous expert 
Dr. Candy LePan. Mm-hmm. And if you've listened to our earlier podcasts, um, she tells you some of the nuts and bolts of how to set this up in your course to get kind of that maximum reciprocity and, and kind of really seek the benefits mm-hmm. of what service mm-hmm. learning can really do for students, but also for faculty. I'm so excited to be kind of transforming a course that I've taught for many years in like just in the classroom with guest speakers and but this takes it to a whole new level um so is there any other advice you'd give people for volunteering or yeah how so if people want to volunteer with lifespan specifically and don't Mm -hmm. want to go through this kind of service learning approach how would they contact you or what's the best way to get a hold of lifespan Uh, fortunately or unfortunately it would be through our website okay uh, that is Again, we're, we're wrestling with that particular portal to our community. But I can be contacted directly. Uh, my teammate uh, in generosity, Aubrey Collins, is the one who's coordinating our volunteer efforts. Because we have people, uh, we, we have tiered volunteer opportunities that still allow people to engage at the level, level that, uh, that they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Some people want to be. Uh, hands-on working with our individuals and we encourage that want that because that table fellowship builds a different kind of mm-hmm. understanding a different kind of world a different kind of world and but there are those who like I'm a project-centered person let me do that and so we have a we have a, a spectrum mm-hmm. of, of opportunities that people can engage in and across the community since we are now blended hybrid virtual all of the above if someone's living in Waynesville or Greensboro we have programs in those places where the competition here Western Carolina anyway uh, <laughs> has partners with but us. our new vistas from Western Carolina so we like that they we're are. okay with Western Carolina okay so we uh, I've been working with their um, sociology department and their doctoral program in, in, um, in psychology to do some curriculum development for outcome-based person-centered programs for our individuals who are in the Waynesville program. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I think, well, why am I Wingate? This, and, and so that's exactly right. That's, so, and their program seems to be very similar. Maybe they stole our idea. Definitely. We're going nope. to talk about that. No, it's not yeah. good. No. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> and if you're looking for the website, it's lifespanservices.org. Correct. L-I-F-E. Let's see if I can spell right. S-P-A-N-S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S dot org. That was a lot of Yes, it's true. One last question to probe deeply into the mind of this wonderful person. Ooh. I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a two-part one. Part one: Is there anything else that you would like listeners to know about lifespan, about our goals going forward? Yeah. Uh, let me just put on my Wingate hat a minute. <laughs> oh, please do. Here's your sombrero. Thank you. Thank you. It holds water. That's yep. great. <laughs> Wingate is a very strong, and it's a regionally recognized and becoming a nationally recognized powerhouse. And one of the reasons that I married Wingate and we continue to be generous personally, my family, even though we're not here uh, employed anymore, we continue to support financially. And part of that reason that we continue to do that is 
because of Wingate's history and its commitment to first generation uh, being inclusion. In fact, my wife and I were at a, at a, a restaurant the other night and I had my Wingate shirt on, which I often do. And people say, you don't work there anymore. I said, but I, I just, I love this place mm -hmm. because of its mission commitment, uh, the outcome commitment. And this young woman um, who uh, is Latinx, and she said, oh, I'm going to Wingate in the fall. I've been accepted. And I said, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. I I'm so excited for you. What do you want to study? And this whole conversation ensued. This whole conversation ensued about what she wants to do, international business. And her story is the one that kept me here and continues to keep me I want to go to Wingate because I'm the first person in my family to ever go. And I said, oh, I've got names. I want to introduce you to Steve Highland. I want to introduce, oh, yes. you, know, I want to introduce you to professors. I want to get you engaged. Uh, we have scholarships that are golden door. And, and it was like, I still want people to come here. Mm -hmm. I still want So people. do we. So do we. <laughs> but... Here's the, here's the challenge. COVID, everything changes. Yeah. The financial modeling. Uh, when I was here, it was 97% net tuition revenue dependent. And lifespan, I got there, and the surprise was, it's 99.2% dependent on public benefit, fixed mm. income source. Medicare, Medicaid, North Carolina, still without a Medicare transformation, still without a budget. Uh, the, the billions that are pouring, pouring into North Carolina go through seven managed care organizations and then they're managed by local management organizations, all of whom take a cut. So to give you an idea, uh, it's as if all the money for car washes came in through seven sources and they said, you can charge $3 for a car wash. You said, well, how do I pay somebody a living wage? Yeah. And pay for soap and say, you figure it out. Yeah. So Lifespan has been in that arena for 45 years, figuring it out. And I want the folks listening here, both for Wingate and Lifespan, it's an opportunity for generosity like our generation has never seen. That the dollars that we give get multiplied in ways that... Are somewhat miraculous. They are miraculous. They are miraculous. And so COVID has caused some donor fatigue because the crisis didn't just abate and people gave generously. And we've seen donations fall off precipitously. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've seen it at Wingate. We've seen it every uh, 43,618 nonprofits in North Carolina. Wow. We've seen this thing. But the good news is for Wingate, for Lifespan, we continue to tell our story and clarity is kindness. And we continue to show the vision of how people can be engaged. People will be faithful over time. And that's the thing. We're, we want to build a relationships where faithfulness and generosity over time will outpace. Yep. The peaks and the valleys. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, that's wonderful. No, it's wonderful. We yeah. love listening to chat. So it's so nice. And I guess all good things must come to an end. Yes. So stay tuned for some more exciting Against the Grain episodes where we focus on sowing the seeds of change in Eastern Union County. Goodbye.